Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. I just thought, you know, after 2018, I know, I don't know who was here when I said I think 2018 came for me with an axe. But 2019, after this session of worship and praise, I think it's more intimidated than we are. When we have made known the praises of our King in the face of adversity and uncertainty. Jesus, oh my gosh, there's hope for us yet, eh? So good to see you guys. All the faces that are back. You are a lovely bunch. Can't start on the 6th of January without me and the elders wishing all of you a prosperous, blessed 2019. It's our first time together. And then you guys say, and to you. There we go. Daryl decided yesterday that this year is going to be the year of participation for the congregation. So we'll work it in that on the screens you'll see some prompts when you have to say amen or hallelujah. Amen and hallelujah. (laughs) Oh dear, may the silliness last till till December the 31st this year. (laughs) Oh please God. Jeremiah 29, 10 to 14. Can you find that quickly, D? I'm sorry I forgot to tell you. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you. And we can all quote it verbatim. Declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Verse 12, sometimes stop at 11. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. I read this because I woke up this morning with a a sense and a I don't know, I don't want to say a sting in my heart, but for all of those prodigals that have gone stray, misled, beguiled, what a beautiful old word, by the lies of the enemy. How many of you can sit here and remember somebody that used to stand next to you praising God, and today they're not here? And it's not that they're not here in this church. They're not at church. They're not praising God. Full stop. Uh, Is it just me? Oh, please raise a hand or something if you know somebody. Please, people, work with me here. And I felt we're going to start this here, praying for them to return to their first love. So where you are right now, just close your eyes and say, God, I cry out on behalf And mention that name before him, because he says he's attentive to our prayers. And God, we pray that you will send those exiles back 
to your kingdom, God. Not because we want church growth here in numbers, Lord, but because we are fighting for their lives and for their destiny and their purpose in you, my God. And the kingdom is better off with all of your children doing what they have to do, called according to your purposes. We cry out to you, my God and my King. Jesus, send them back. We will be so honored and privileged to receive them if some of them come back here, my God. And Lord, wherever you choose to send them, as long as it's right back to your heart and to your kingdom, we're okay with that. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> now, it's, you can't do a, a January the 6th message without talking about what the new year holds. So I've decided to talk on vision this morning. Um, some scriptures. Do you know about vision? My people perish for a lack of vision. Write down the vision on tablets so that whoever reads it may see it and run. So many scriptures in the Old Testament that says, and what do you see? And it says, I saw a vision of this. Jesus in the New Testament says, what do you see? Vision. Vision simply, it's eyesight. I've had laser surgery. Before, before I had laser surgery, surgery uh, I had it 11 years ago. I had like console bottles. Like I walked like this, it was so heavy. <coughs> and um, look at me now. But it's vision, it's, it's eyesight, 2020 vision. I don't actually know what 2020, any optometrist here that can just enlighten us. Why do they 2020 vision, Lance? Kevin, why do they say 2020? The length that you, okay. All right, still means nothing to me, but God bless you. <coughs> My Carl's eyes just look after you this year. Thank you, Father. It's vision, it's eyesight. Another definition in the corporate sense Who's ever had those meetings in boardrooms? We are ironing out the vision for this year. And for the next five years, we are visioning it. We've also had a few years, elders, haven't we? We, we, we struck out our, uh, and, and determined our values that we will fight for and hold dear and what are, what are negotiable things. But vision, according to corporate definition, is a, an aspirational description of what an organization would like to achieve or accomplish in the midterm or long-term future. It is intended to serve as a clear guide for choosing current and future courses of action. See also mission statement. Mission statement has a little bit more what do you get when you come to us. But also, what are we aiming to achieve, who we are, and, and what we're going to do. We are a diverse group of people with diverse callings, making a difference in our diverse communities through sincere love to all. Paraphrasing, I can't remember the exact one, but it's up in the cafe. We've got that. Vision, vision statement. Then the other definition of, of vision is a revelation. Somebody who is imaginative and can see something that isn't really there. The scriptures in the Bible write down the vision that you see. I see a pot with smoke. And it is tilted towards the north. It wasn't a real pot. And there wasn't smoke. He saw it in a vision. 
is a revelation. The definition in the dictionary even talks about biblical revelations as vision. The ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. He's got such vision. Now, I believe we as a church global community have gone and reduced when the Bible speaks about vision to what we hear in corporate boardrooms. And I think we are poorer off for limiting it to that. Write down the vision. And we use that scripture and it's Habakkuk 2 verse 2. Guys, we have put you on theology and you don't know your Bible. Come on, man. Habakkuk, it says, write down the vision. And we all say, what is the vision for the church? And then we all run to the wall and we read the vision for the church. But you know when you go and look in the Old Testament, all the times says, uh, all, the, all, the, all the times where God said, he gave Isaiah a vision, he gave Jeremiah a vision, he gave Ezekiel a vision, he gave Daniel a vision, he gave them a vision. Same word that's used in Habakkuk, same word. You read those scriptures. It is a revelation about the hardships that was going to come. It wasn't a vision that said, and Israel will pursue the Chaldeans and will strike them from the left and the right through diverse archery and, and uh, spears and sword fighting, and they will come with, with catapults and it wasn't a vision like we know vision. It was God revealing what was going to happen. What was going to happen if they pursued the direction that they were on at the present time? A warning. The next thing that happens, he says, but after I've given you the warning, I give you a promise. If you step away and you do this, guess what? You will have a future, hopeful and prosperous. And I will gather you from the nations and I will bring you back together. Jeremiah 1.1, a warning. Jeremiah 1.13, a warning. Jeremiah 24.3, a warning and a promise. Amos 7 verse 8, warning and a promise. Amos 8.2, warning and a promise. Zechariah 4 verse 2, promise. Some of the, the, the warnings and the promises. That all starts with what do you see? And it says, and then I saw a vision, and that was it. I wonder if some of them also went and sat and said, Oh, please, God, can't you just give me the strategy? Tell me how I should do this from the left or the right. But as a church, when we talk about vision, we just want to talk about the vision that we are going after. The good. I believe God sometimes wants to say to us, be careful, my children. Be careful. For if you pursue this, it shall surely lead to death. How's that for vision? <laughs> 
Like you stand in front of your children and you say, don't do this. I can see the results. I can see the end. God says he knows the end from the beginning. Isaiah. Our favorite vision scripture where it says Habakkuk, write it down. I want to say, we have to read it in conjunction with the other scriptures. The vision that God gives us, he already knows the end. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Okay, it's the new year. I'll give you guys a break. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. That's the one that's translated in the NIV as where there's no vision, my people perish. Where there's no prophetic vision, we can give you the best vision and mission statement that we can come up with in a corporate sense, it can tick all the boxes, 98% for our submission of our assignment. But if it is not the prophetic vision from God, it shall come to certain death. Guaranteed. I just want to read this because it's so beautiful. Isaiah 46 verse 8, where God says, I know the end from the beginning. It says, remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. Declaring the end from the beginning. From ancient times, things not yet done saying, my counsel, counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. That is what God says over you. I know the end of your life from the beginning. A couple of prophetic words that came this morning during the, the, uh, the worship site that we're going to get into after I've done my normal three points, but no alliteration today. Do you know the prophetic vision for your life? Do you even believe that he calls the end of your life from the beginning? And he only has dreams of prosperity and goodness and purpose over you. That side believes it. I'll be spending the focus of my attention on that side. He speaks vision over you and I. Never stops. Never, ever, ever stops. But you know what happens? We sometimes lose vision. As in the vision, the, the ultimate goal that we have to achieve. And the first thing that goes when we lose that is we actually lose vision. <laughs> I sound like my cousin now. He's a very Afrikaans. And he also leads a church. He says, you know, it's like faith. I'm like, faith. It's like, yeah, faith. Not faith, but faith. 
When we lose vision of sight of what God says we should go for, what we should achieve, when we lose vision of that, we start to lose vision as in sight of things. Does it make sense? Or am I, am I wasting my time? Should I try another thing? We lose sight of things. The first one, I've, I've just said there's blindness that comes. And of course, the first blindness if there were new people in this congregation, shame on you guys. I told you in December you should bring a person to church. But if there were new people, the first blindness that we would say to them is if you do not know Christ, you are blind and in darkness. We want you to come into the light, translated from darkness to light. That's what we would want. That is the first sense of blindness that we deal with when you cannot see the wood for the trees and you do not know the truth from the light. That's the first blindness. But the blindness I'm talking about in context of vision here is, is when our vision has gone not just blurry, but completely black. We don't see what's going on anymore. You see, it's when we lose vision of that impossible thing that He has spoken over your life. When He said, you will preach to nations. You shall father a nation. I remember when Ed called Molly's and I onto the state, and he said, today I feel God is changing his name from Abram to Abraham, and from Sarah to Sarah, Sarai to Sarah, and they will be father and mother of nations. That impossible thing that you thought the finances will never survive. It is impossible. I remember when God took me and he said, I will give you a wife when I was completely Completely confused and living a homosexual life. I remember how ridiculous it sounded when he said to me, I will entrust you with a wife and you shall have children. That impossible vision. When you lose sight of that, you start to lose sight of the vision declarer. When we stop seeing the impossible destiny... That God wants to achieve. We stop seeing the impossible made possible God. And all of a sudden, our faith starts to shrink. Because our sight of the one that we have faith in starts to shrink. We come at the end of 2018 when... Uh, somebody described 2018 as a dogfight. Yeah, okay, it's my Afrikaans, guys. Can't get away from those dog, those, those roots. It's a dogfight. And we come at the beginning of 2019 and we lose sight of the vision that God has for us. And we start to diminish the, the, the greatness of who He is. And we start to wax and, and we wane and we reduce our faith in him because he is shrinking in our minds. And 2019 comes and we are too scared to step into January. We lost our vision of God. You've lost the vision for your life. And the vision of Jesus is lost to the world. It's as simple as that. My solution to this would simply be an eye transplant. 
Simple as that. Just give us new eyes, my God. The only way to counter this blindness that comes when we lose sight of the vision is Job 38. (laughs) Well, it's not just the only scripture. You can read many others, but listen to this. The Lord answered Job. Hey, Job. (laughs) Out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. God calls this man and says, come and stand in front of me. You want to act like a man, dress like a man, come. Now we're going to talk. Who are you? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Who stretched out the line upon it? Or what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garments and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far shall you come and no further. And here shall your proud waves be stayed. Imagine standing before the creation of the world and he says to you, who do you think you are? This is who I am. Answer me. Do you know who formed the stars? Do you know who created the valleys? Do you know who controls the ocean from coming and washing over you? Do you know who stays the rain so that it never happens again when you see my rainbow? Who made that covenant with you? Come on, dress like a man. And all of a sudden you read this and you realize your size, but you also realize his size. And the blindness starts to fall from your eye and vision comes back. And you say, but with my God, I shall scale a wall and I shall take on an army. And 2019 has nothing on us. And I transplant Job 38. Oh. I wish we could read all of it. It is incredible. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare it. If you know all this, come on. (laughs) And you read this with Colossians that says, he is the preeminent one. Seated in all authority and power, dominion, and glory for all eternity. Our King. The one that gives vision to our lives. Your eye transplant for 2019 is to make Him bigger than anything else. And your faith for what He has called you to shall be matched. Second one I thought that happens with vision is we have a, I don't know if you've seen it, but um, when you buy a DVD, if, and for those people that still buy it, there was subtitles for the visually impaired. You, you, you know what I'm talking about? It's where they put the words at the bottom and even put in chuckle when somebody was chuckling on screen or uh, crying, 
and you couldn't see the crying on screen, but you could hear it, then they would, they would give it to you. So it's probably hearing impaired, but anyway, I'm going with visually impaired. Our vision becomes impaired. I'm very fortunate. I've got very thick corneas. They say I can do the LASIK again. So last year I thought, oh, it's 10 years. Maybe I should go back. My eyes are, but they say I don't need glasses yet. I don't even need reading glasses. And so I'm hoping to go at 45, which is in five years. Yes, I know. I look very young, but I am 40. Um, <coughs> you are not visually impaired. It's true. <laughs> I don't need glasses yet. My wife looks very cool with her new reading glasses. And then I must say, we have the funkiest principal at this school. Have you checked out his reading glasses? Come on, stand up and show them, my bro. No, you have to, Terry. You want to buy those things? Be like a man. Stand up and show them. Look at those glasses, man. That is how you want to grow old. I'm telling you. But I, I want to say what, what this means the visually impairedness of us. It's, it's when things have come and stolen the wonder and the awe of God. I know it sounds like the same thing, but you'll, you'll get the difference just now. It's when we start to let what people have said impair what God has said. And, and all of a sudden... We're like, God said, go to India, and he's like, but India's so smelly. So he's like, okay, I won't go to India to live and be a missionary. I'll just visit. And he starts to compromise. This is the space where all New Year's resolutions reside. Those good ideas at the 1st of January, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And then somebody comes and says, well, here's something else. You're like, okay. Who's had chocolate since the first? I've had more chocolate since the first than I had last year. I don't know what's happening. It's like my hormones are all messed up at the moment. But your vision becomes impaired. It's when the craziness becomes normal to you. The craziness and the absolute ridiculousness of the propitiation that Jesus worked out for us. The substitution work that he did at the cross has just become normal. I deserved it. I was worth it, God. Instead of him saying, you are worth it, you say to him, I am worth it. And you start to get slightly impaired. I want to say you start to get impaired here, but let's go with eyes. It's like you lose sanity when the undeservedness, it is a word if you put a hyphen in after an, when the undeservedness loses its splendor to you. <laughs> I loved how my wife just said, remember the cross. And we remember what that cross separated us from. 
<laughs> you want to stay humble? Just think about what he saved you from. But the church today will tell you, don't think about that. Just think about what he saved you into. And I want to say it's not one or the other. It is both. Yes, we are in a glorious kingdom. We have been saved by his grace. And we are able to do exceedingly abundantly what we can fathom or imagine. But we did not save ourselves. Let the wonder and the awe return in 2019. When we see him for what he did for us. When we stay humble. When we think about what he substituted for us. Not just that he gave himself for us. But what did he wash away out of your life? What did he change you from? Before you can talk and boast about what he changed you into. Sin is sin. It doesn't become less heinous to him. It wasn't easy to die for your heinous acts. Just because you were so grand and so cute as a baby. We need a heart transplant. We need to get back to the point where we live with gratitude. Because when you remember what to be grateful for, the awe and the wonder of God returns to your life. And all of a sudden, we've got 2010 <laughs> vision. I, I don't know. Does that make sense? No, he's not giving me anything to work with. The third one is, willfully blind. You close your eyes and you rather see a fairy tale. Or you want to avoid seeing the truth altogether. There's that point where you say, I can't, I, I can't do this. I don't want to see, I don't want to hear. I'm just, uh, either because you have become so calloused to something that you are pursuing that God has told you should not be pursued. When he gave you that vision that says that this pot is facing to the north with smoke. You should not be doing this and you go, but God, I like it. I deserve it. I want it. And that one we all understand. And it's easy. It's easy to deal with that. Trevor preached on it last year and he said, stop it. Just stop it. And, and we know it's not that easy and that's why we've got courses and things that you can go on to walk away from willful sin. But it starts with saying, God, I will open my eyes and I will see the vision of warning and I will see the truth about what I'm doing and I will face it with reality and sober-mindedness and I will desist and I will take another direction. It's easy. 
And we all can say, yeah, I can see that willful blindness in that person's eye, uh, in that person's life. I can see it. And if we true, true to ourselves, we can actually also see it when we're in the mirror, when we look in the mirror. We can see it. We end up like Saul, consulting mediums to see what the vision and the direction from God is. And we go to this therapist and we go to that person and we listen to this TV personality and we subscribe to that person's book because it tickles our ears. It makes us feel good. And it says, don't stress, we'll just get you a guide dog. The Holy Spirit doesn't come to guide us like a dog. It lives in us to convict us. I can tell you that guide dog that you are following is possibly not um, for you. And won't just lead you down a path where you break your neck and your legs. will also lead you to a dark corner where it will devour you. And you lose sight of the vision that God has for your life. The other one that goes with this willful blindness is not so, so easy to spot. You guys remember 2017, 29th of June, we went through a little bit of trauma. Jude ran through the door and almost cut his hand off, severed all the tendons, the nerve, and nearly bled out and died. Today, where's my son? There he is. Hold up your hand, my boy. There we go. Strength is returning. Fine motor skill, skills are coming back. Sensitivity of the skin. and it's, it's coming back. Praise God for that. And he is brave. He has faced the world with his, his arm. But the willful blindness came in for me. When I only looked upon the realities of what happened. And decided not to look at the God who sits above the realities. And I listened to the doctors that says there is no hope for that child to be restored. Just close the arm up. He'll never use it again. And after the 10-hour surgery, when that doctor came out, Dr. Menopati, the only one after six or I think Allison phoned six people and the seventh one said, I will try subject to this, this, and this. And he came out of surgery at 2 o'clock in the morning and he said, I'm so sorry, but it's worse than I thought. And in that moment, I choose willful blindness to say, now what do I do to help my son prepare to live without our hand? My beautiful boy has now got a scar. That willful blindness is not so easy to spot, is it? Because we all look at me and say, you're just a dad and it's normal. And it is normal. But it took somebody to say to me, but don't you have the faith that God can do this? That had to shake me out of that willful blind space where I didn't see. Because then only did I remember what God spoke over that life. That he will be a generation changer. That he will stand for purity and righteousness in a generation that will just go down the tubes, led by a guide dog. Then I started to realize that there is life. And my willful blindness turned into sight. 
And we don't want to remind one another like that because we want to be politically correct. And I'm there. We have to be sensitive. I'm not saying go and remind every person about everything. But at some point, you have to pick you up and say, but what is the vision so that I can get rid and get my eyesight back? I don't know. What did I say? Oh, (laughs) I said this one. The answer here is to stay planted. Stay in his community. Stay in his word. Submit to him. And stay committed. In conclusion of this part, Mark 8, verse 22 to 26. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Now, I'm presuming that the man had sight before he lost it, because I don't know how he knew what the reference of trees were, but they were walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he said, sent him home and said, do not even enter the village. But we all know what happens. He goes and he tells the world that he was blind, and now he can see. Look how patient Jesus is. Maybe you're sitting here, and you say, well, I don't have, I've got willful things, but I can't deal with it right now. Or maybe I'm visually impaired and I can't deal with that. Or, or, or. Jesus says, I'm with you. I'm here. I'll lay my hands on you again. Jesus did not quit. And neither should we. If you've lost your vision (laughs) for your life, and you've lost vision of him, don't quit. You can get it back. He's the God of second chances. And third and fourth and fifth, in my case. Let him lay his hands on you. Let him spit on you again. That you can see purpose for what it is. And you don't see them looking like trees. (coughs) Vision for 2019. My prayer is that you will see clearly what he has called you to. That you will see him clearly that he's calling you. And that you will step into this with courage and knowing that you are not alone, that he is the one that makes it able. Tabs had a word. Aline had a word. Rodney, a friend of ours from Cornerstone, had a word. I'm going to ask him to share it quickly. Maybe just possibly that is the word 
that brings clarity and is Jesus speaking to you one more time today? Looks like Dal also has a word. Dabs, come. I'm going to ask you not to stare at us, but to close your eyes. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me if this is for me. It's not a performance. It's ministry from God possibly to you. Receive it. Last night, uh, Heath and I were watching a movie, and in the movie, this girl comes face to face with herself, but it's the worst of herself that she has to battle against, and it's everything that she hates about herself, everything that she's disappointed at about herself, and she has to battle this version of herself in order to succeed in what she needs to do. And at first, her attitude is to fight, but then she realizes that what she needs to do is actually forgive. She needs to forgive herself. And this morning, I just felt God reminding us that we need to forgive ourselves, not because the worst of ourselves is worth it, but because when we accept Jesus, He sees Jesus and not the worst of ourselves anymore. And I just felt that for some of us this morning, we need to be looking in that mirror and not seeing our doubts, our disappointments, our failures, but be seeing what Jesus has for us. Um, then in Philippians 3, verse 7, it says, But whatever was for my profit... I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him and not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And I just felt this morning that we need to, it's not about ourselves, it's not about the things that we strive for in this life and in this world, but can we say, Jesus, I want it to be about you. I want to look in the mirror and I want to see you. Jesus, I want everything that I do to be valued for you and for your kingdom, and it's not about me. Unsolicited, unorganized. God gives her those two things, which kind of lines up with two of the points, isn't it? Are you listening? God speaking? No, it's a little bit longer than usual, but just bear with us. They'll come. So what the Lord gave me for 2019 was uh, the famous scripture that we look at almost every day, but when he highlights it, it becomes alive. John 3, 3. Jesus said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that's what he highlighted, that every born-again person should be able to see the kingdom. And it's up to us. And then for 2019, he took me to 1 Samuel 9.19 Samuel answered Saul and said, I am a seer. And so that's what I'd like to declare over this congregation. And declare to yourself, I am a seer. Because Jesus said so. Thank you. Rodney. Marlene. 
Rodney's a friend. Uh, you can trust him. I trust him. I don't know if we should trust him. but um, So I had um, this morning just uh, two scriptures. And the one is from Daniel eleven thirty two, And it says, But the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And some version might say mighty exploits. And I had a real sense from the Lord, um, you know, people like David who are in a place of obscurity, not thinking of mighty exploits. They were looking, he was looking after some sheep for his dad. Um, but God uh, would call him, his own father would call him and say, I want you to go and give this food to your brothers. And from that place where he's looking after sheep, he would be sent and he would conquer the big giant. Um, and I, I just felt that there was uh, a sense about you as a people, that some of you have been sitting in that place and God is calling you to mighty exploits. But exploits don't begin as exploits. They begin as a word of instruction from the Father. And so Psalms 139 says this, O oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. He knows us full well. But I felt the last part of this, I think it's from verse 17, which says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they are more than the sands. I awake and I am still with you. There's a, a place in which many are the thoughts of God for us, but have we searched them out? He makes this statement of David. He says, David had a heart after the Father. Do we have the heart of the Father? And uh, just, uh, I, I just feel to encourage you, even the elders um, here, I feel like there were some things that perhaps you had put your hand to that have not necessarily worked. But, uh, but there's going to be favor and blessing. Some things that you need to take up again. Uh, some things that you need to walk into again. Um, just mighty exploits. I feel like from this place, God is going to send out. I feel like from this place, God can do mighty miracles, mighty wonderful things. Um, but he's looking for those who will be a little like David, who's, who's searching out the heart of the Father in those quiet places, just hearing the voice of God and then beginning to act upon that voice of God in faith, uh, just seeking God out. What are your thoughts, Lord? What is, what is it that you are saying to us as a people and working that through with your leaders and beginning to act upon that um, as a church? Mighty exploits. That's what I really felt, that word. Mighty exploits, LRC, mighty exploits. Thanks. Erlene, one more. Maybe this is the one for you. Don't zone out, zone in. The Lord said to the disciples, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. What is that power for? He said, and you will be my witnesses. And I thought of witnesses. 
when there's a court case and there are people to witness, normally I don't know if they still do it, I swear to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. And I believe, as this young man, this man has just said, I believe that some of us, God is going to send out because he's given us the power of his Holy Spirit. And we are going to tell people about the truth of Jesus. And I'm speaking to myself. I've known the Lord for 39 years. When I talk to people and they say something, do I say, but hang on. I want to tell you the truth of what the word of God says. And I want to challenge myself. I want to challenge the leaders. You have received the power and you will go. You can go out there and make a difference to those who do not know Jesus. Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za.